0: to not get in your way and help me to not add myself or or my ideas or my agenda into the text, but but that this would be about um, preaching your word and and telling folks about Jesus. Uh, I pray that you'd be with the folks who are here this morning, help them to to hear from you, help them to know you, help them to to draw into your presence, and I pray through the word uh, being preached this morning and through through this time of teaching that they'd hear from you and, and, and just come to know Christ more intimately. In Jesus' name I pray, amen so uh one of the one of the first cars I ever bought as an adult or as a college student i don't think that counts as adult uh i well, actually i'm not sure I count as an adult now um, but i I hey look at that uh, <laughs> it's a shadow puppet moment um, it's going to be a part of every sermon that Rebecca's going to get up and fix something now <laughs> this is two weeks in a row uh, <laughs> So the, one of the first cars I bought, um, I, I, in fact, every car I bought for the first three or four vehicles I owned um, broke down frequently, and I, I was not raised on a farm. I did not learn how to take things apart and put them back together. I don't do it naturally. Um, in fact, I am mechanically declined, um, and I, I, uh, I but I, I went to school and I have a good memory, and, and so as I started learning to repair vehicles because I, I would break down a lot. Um, I, I would apply things that I learned in school um, wherever I could, you know, like, like leverage. That's a physics thing, right? Like that's not that's not straight automotive, that cheater bar. I learned about that in, in physics class, right? I also, well, anyway. I mean, um, one of the things that I learned that did not go well was related to batteries. Now, if you have a car, the battery is important. Can we all agree on that? You you cannot run a vehicle without a battery. You might be able to get it started like by pushing it, and I had a car like that for a while, but you, you don't run a car without a battery because you need the ground, right? And you can't ground a car without a battery. It just doesn't work that way. And I, I had a problem with, it was a Buick, and, and the battery, I had a problem with it because it wouldn't connect right. And, and I, I went to put, you know, I put new cables on, and I bolted them in. It was fairly straightforward. I scraped all the rusty spots with a wire brush, and... And I put the new cables on, and and they melted, which is a real accomplishment. Um, it didn't catch fire, but I, I did go and get new cables. I um, put them on, installed them the exact same way, and they melted. Because amazingly, if you do the same thing more than once, you'll get the same result. And so then I thought, well, maybe I'm buying cables that are way too small, so I bought larger ones like 18-wheeler kind of cables, and guess what happened? They melted. Now, in physics class, I learned that electrons, like when you do, you know, mapping, there's a negative that goes for electrons and a positive that goes for, like, positrons, right? Like, or, no, protons, that's it. <laughs> hey, whatever, I'm this far ahead already. I know they're positive and negative, right? I'm like, <laughs> So, I, I'm, not lecturing, I'm not lecturing physics, I'm lecturing theology. Um, and not doing a very good job of that either, apparently. The, so, my, um, my assumption was, well, the part that's got the, the negative, just like in physics, that's the part that the electricity is coming out of. And so, that's the part you hook directly to the, the, the ground. Or the, 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 and, and as it turns out, that's backwards. Because somewhere along the way, like, people who made cars thought, well, physics doesn't matter. Um, and so they did it wrong, and it, it tripped me up. Um, and, and, and the amazing thing, and I've learned this over the years, if you hook the battery up the wrong way, if you hook the wrong things up to a battery, if you are using your wrench to tighten the battery and you accidentally touch the frame of the car, it will cause problems. Everybody with me? The same way as not having it at all is going to cause problems. The battery, no matter how you slice it, like without it, the car ain't working. You all with me? Um, we are talking about the church. We're in a series where we're talking about the church, uh, the body of Christ. And, and the, the bottom line before I get into any of the text today, I'm going to give you the full summary. So when you fall asleep, you'll have heard the main point. Um Jesus is the battery. got it? Without Jesus, the church doesn 't work. Without Jesus, the body of Christ is headless, and you can cut off just about any part of a person and they 'd be fine, right? But the head you cut off a person 's head it 's the end of the story, right? Um, everything that we are as believers, right. Everything that we believe, everything that we do must be connected to Jesus. And it must be connected properly, right? Because if we do it our way, you might melt things down and things might catch fire or what have you. You might spend a week taking the car apart and figuring out what you broke by putting the battery on backwards or whatever. Um, So as we go forward, like keep this in mind. This is the central idea. We're in Colossians chapter 1. If you want to follow along in your... Bible, and of course my app isn't going to work right this morning, so I got to reboot it. Hooray. Um, a couple of things real quick. Um, we get this, this passage, this idea of the church is the body of Christ from Paul. Paul uses it over and over again in, in the scriptures, and he uses it to illustrate different ideas. It's actually rooted in a Greek philosophy idea, like, like, but it's a, it's his own twist on it, where it talks about, like, Greek philosophers would talk about the universe being the body. And like wisdom or the forms or whatever being sort of the head of it. And Christ applies it exclusively to the church. Um, And and there's a lot of meat on this bone. There's a lot that can be done with it. It's good stuff. Um, And and this is going to be the last body of Christ sermon we're going to do. There's a couple more passages we're not going to um, touch on during this series. Sorry. Um, So as we talk about this, like the battery illustration, again, I'm coming back to this. You're going to hear it a few times. This is important. Um, because the church itself, right, we exist because of Jesus, right? If we forget about Jesus, and there are churches out there that don't talk about Jesus or, like, turn Jesus into one of many ways to God or um, they reshape Jesus in their own image. Like, like, if you take that away, you fail, like, at the most fundamental level of what the church is. Um, the church, the body of Christ, is what it is because Jesus died for us because Jesus carried our sins on the cross because you and I are terrible right and and I'm sure y'all are nice people but like we all sin and we are all born dead in sin and we get more dead in in sin and apart from Christ helping us not be dead in sin or keeping us from going to the fullness of our sinfulness like we it would be over like we cannot we cannot manage on our own um and so Jesus is sort of the life of all of it. He is the battery that gives it all life. And it is only through him. Everything else is wrong. Everything else is broken. Everything else will catch fire and disappear eventually. Uh, early hymns. So this passage um, is an early hymn. It is um, it is a hymn Paul probably wrote. Uh, we can't sit down and deal with it like we would an early hymn, like a normal hymn that we would use, because it's not a hymn like we would use. Um, Jews sang their own way. They did their own thing. Paul wrote this specifically for churches or for this text. We're not really sure. There's a lot of argument about that. Um, and apparently I am going to be preaching right out of my Bible. Can you pay attention for me, uh, Jeremy, and bump the slides? Uh, cause I guess I'm not using that. I gotta find Colossians. I'm singing a little song in my head. That's rough. It's. <laughs> The what now? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) All right, so this is uh, Colossians chapter, and I didn't wear my glasses. I thought, man, the text is way big enough on the slides. Um, (laughs) But not because I'm old. No, I'll I'll manage. Um, All right, so first, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, he's starting... With this song, and by the way, there's a funny little phrase there, the image of the invisible God, right? How do you make an image of something that's invisible? Um, when Paul says image here, um, he means something very specific. Is it working now? Um, thank you. Um, he means something very specific. It means that it is this perfect revelation of the invisible God, meaning we can know God. We can know him intimately and personally, and we can know everything about him because, like, we meet Jesus, because we can know Jesus. Jesus is the perfect projection of everything that is God his holiness, his passion, his love, his his desire to serve, his humility, his, his everything, his glory. Everything about Jesus is the perfect. Image of who God is. And so, like, right there, and this song is all about Jesus because, like, there's nothing else worth singing about um, in Paul's mind, I think. Um, but he starts out with this He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, this has tripped some people up along the way, right? Because people will say, wait a minute. Jesus wasn't made, if Jesus always was and was never created, and, you know, there was never a time or a place where Jesus did not exist, how could he be the firstborn? This is a legal term. Got it? Um, Some of you guys have siblings, right? When mom and dad left you alone, they would say, like in our house, Abby's in charge, right? Actually, I usually put one of the dogs in charge because I have sense, Um, but, but... But why would I say Abby's in charge? Because she's the oldest, right? Like, this is not a reference to quite that. It is a reference to authority. Meaning, Jesus is the firstborn, as in he is the boss over, or he is in charge over. In the ancient world, if you were the firstborn son, you hit the jackpot. If you were the second, or third, or fourth, or, you know, God forbid, the fifth, you lost. Because... Um, the firstborn had all the authority from from dad when, when, you know, it was all said and done. When dad wasn't around, the firstborn was in charge. The firstborn inherited everything. The firstborn decided what, what came next. Like, the firstborn was the man. And, like, what it's saying about Jesus here is, first off, he reveals to us in perfection who God is. Secondly, he is the boss. He is the authority. He is, like, the man over all of creation. Um, that's not a small thing. I'm going to hit pause here because we can treat Jesus in very like comfortable and familiar ways, and I think that's the way we're supposed to. But like, it's easy to forget how much that means. Um, it's like a, you ever get around somebody? I, I was I talked about this a while ago. I was with another pastor once, and he pulled a, like they were talking about pistols and guns and stuff. And he pulled a pistol out of his out of his briefcase, which I was like, okay, well, it's Montana. But then he kind of waved it around as he was talking, very comfortably. And he, he I, I, when I learned about guns, one of the things I learned was you never cross somebody's body with a firearm for any reason. And you definitely kept your finger up on the side or underneath, not on the trigger. And he broke both those rules. And I was kind of like, whoa, let me see that. <laughs> and I took it, and I checked it to make sure it wasn't loaded. And then I put it back in his bag, um, not back in his hand. And I kind of, you know, was uncomfortable because this guy... Um, he had gotten so comfortable with it that he forgot the power of the thing that he had in his hand. Because a minor mistake could have killed me, right? A minor mistake could have killed the other guy he was talking to. A minor mistake, like, like we, we can easily forget the power of the things that are at our disposal. And we do so at our peril. The same is true for Jesus. Jesus is powerful. Jesus is like, he is God. He is in charge of all of us. He is over all things. For in him, Paul continues, for in him all things were created. Now, watch this. Um, it's not saying that inside of Jesus, like, you know, like my, my wife had a baby, or two of them at least. Um, and 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 those two babies were created in her. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, like, from the lotus of who he is, by, like, his authority and His power, all things were created. So when we see in the beginning there was God, you know, like like and nothing else, and God begins commanding things into existence, that creation happens through Jesus, like Jesus, the firstborn, the very image of God. Through Him, all things were created. Um, in Him, all things were created, and actually. Um, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Meaning, everything that exists came about because of Christ. Came about by his authority, his power, his wisdom, his everything. All that exists. Um, let's take a minute to think about what that means. Um, when God created light, He commanded it into existence, right? I mean, it's not like He, if you read every other, like, ancient, um, account for creation, you see where the gods would, like, sit down and mess with a bunch of mud and make, hey, look, it's the earth. Or, like, I think there's one where the one God gets sick and He throws up and that's the world. Um, I mean, I'm not making that up. Like, it just, it might be something different. He might, anyway, um, but, like, like, Jesus has the authority to command things that don't exist to exist, right? I might going to try that all day, right? Like, God, I'm 25 again, and it didn't work, right? God, my bank account is overflowing. It didn't happen, right? Like, I, I don't have that kind of authority. I can't do that, right? I can do it some at home, like, Titus, go shut that door, and about half the time he obeys. Right Because I have some authority in my house, not very much. Um, <laughs> but in Christ, we see a being that is of so much power and so much authority that by him, through him, for him, everything that exists, the mountains, you guys, this carpet, the stars, the the black holes that are out there, gajillion miles away, like all of this stuff came about for him. Um, he is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Now, this is huge. In Him all things hold together. Do you ever watch one of those acts where um, it was like a circus act or an old vaudeville act where they'll spin plates up on sticks? I, I want to try that at home one day. Um, <laughs> I can say that because my wife's not here. Um, but but the cool thing, if you watch them, they never walk away and quit, do they? They have to keep coming back and spinning, right? Or like the globetrotters, the basketball on the finger, right? Like he takes his finger away, the ball ain't spinning there anymore. Um, Christ's necessity, his position, his power within the creation is so very much that if he steps away for even a moment, everything would cease to exist. Because existence is predicated on his authority. Like it is required, like Christ's authority is required for anything that exists. Um, Why am I kind of drawing this out and pounding on this? Because it is a big deal, right? When we talk about Jesus, when we talk about the Son of God, when we talk about the name that is on us as believers, we are Christians. We are followers of the God through whom, by whom, for whom everything exists. Wow. Wow. Um, one of the central messages of the book of Job, I, I hear a lot of people talk about Job and quote Job and point to job, Job, the final message of it is, like if you really boil down the theology, it is God is worthy to be worshipped even when life is awful, right? <laughs> even if God like like lets job 's house burn down, he worships him. Even if God lets Job like die of, of leprosy. God is worthy of worship because he is God. We don't sing and praise God because he gives us stuff. We don't sing and praise God because it rains. We don't sing and praise God because, you know, the Cubs won the World Series a few years ago. We don't do it. Like, we sing and praise God because he's God, because a God like this, because Jesus, who is like this, is worthy of worship. Um, And he is the head of the body, the church. Now, like, to put that into perspective again, this God who is all of this stuff, He's the head of us, right? You take him away and the church ceases to exist, right? There is not a person in this room, not a person who has ever been in this room, that this whole church hinges on, right? And if it is that way, the battery's on backwards, right? If it is that way, um, we have made a major error. The same is true of your, like, marriage. Like, there are a few married people in the room, right? Like the source of life spiritual life and health in your marriage is Jesus like the thing that makes everything in your family correct or incorrect is your orientation in relation to Christ right you might even manage to be perfect as a family by worldly standards but you take Jesus out of the equation and and there's something fundamental missing um He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. Now, why is Jesus the head of the church? Here's our explanation. Because he is the beginning and the firstborn amongst the dead. Jesus was crucified. He was hung on the cross. He was nailed there because of you. Right? His blood was poured out to atone for your sins, to pay for my sins, because he is that amazing And once he was put in the ground, he rose again, demonstrating that death had no sway over him. He conquered death. And one day we will all, along with him, be born anew in the new life, right? He is the firstborn amongst those. He is proof that there is no end at death. He is the resurrection. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy, Um, meaning that like, like, we see all of this because in everything, Christ is in charge. He is, and this is sort of the, the bottom line of what I'm saying over and over again, right? I'm beating this to death because it's the most important thing you could possibly learn here is um, Jesus is supreme. Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus is worthy of worship. Jesus died for you. Um, and and we belong to him for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Um, now, watch this. Um, there was kind of a big chunk there. Um, and I, my program froze up again. I'm just going to have nothing but technical difficulties today. Um, God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, meaning that Jesus was fully God, um, by God's specific decision and direction. Um, Jesus was fully God, like, like he was all of what God is. It's not like, oh, this is part of God and that is a part of God, like, and that's part of God. No, Jesus is fully God. Um, and, and, um. God reconciles us through Him, like meaning that everything that is broken in the world—there um, are hurricanes happening. Y'all are aware of this. Have we uh, have we seen the news? These hurricanes, right? Or the story we heard this morning about the, the child and the the, the shooting, um, or, uh, or you name it—cancer, um, you know the the poverty that exists everywhere. Um, you know, the way that things are broken in the creation. Like, God is reconciling the entire creation through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, through his death and resurrection, the whole darn thing will be set right again, right? People were never meant to drown in hurricanes. That is a product of the world being broken. And in the long run, through Christ's death and resurrection, everything will be set right. Which, by the way, means that the church, the body of Christ, our destiny in eternity is tied to the whole creation because of Jesus. Like our new life, our new birth, like it is as assured as all that stuff will come about, um, which is a big deal. Sorry, I've got to find my text again. Ah! This is putting me off my game. Sorry, guys. I do not know. You know what it is? Apple released a bunch of updates this week, and they're screwing with me. It's their fault. Um, so I blame Apple. Um, and through him, we reconciled himself, um, making peace by the blood of the cross. Now watch this. Um, have any of y'all ever sinned in such a huge way that you have said, God is done with me? Have you ever, any of y'all ever felt that way? Do y'all any of y'all have holes that you go to in your past, where in your mind, like you lay down at night and you think, "This happened. This is who I am. God can't love me," right? Um, but the the fundamental bit there is making peace through His blood shed on the cross, meaning that this God, this God who commanded everything to, into existence, who counts the number of hairs on your head. Um, who is all-powerful, all-loving, all-everything, holy beyond words, his blood shed for you is enough to create peace. And so that awful, ugly, miserable thing in your past, like, it's forgiven because Jesus died for you. You cannot reasonably earn your way to heaven. You are a part of the body of Christ, not because you choose it, but because God sent his son for you. When you were helpless, when you were his enemies, Jesus died for you. And he made you a part of the body of Christ. He made you a part of the church. He made you a part of himself. Like, that is amazing. And he took up dwelling in you. And he makes you new. And when you screw up tomorrow, because you know you're going to, I'm not planning it, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to too, um, he'll make you right again. Because Jesus died for you. Because And, and there's nothing you can do to outrun that grace. Um, Colossians one twenty one. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Anybody relate to that? By the way, I, I put that verse by itself because, like, oh my gosh, this is like the story of my old life and sometimes the story of my new life. And I try really hard, but like the fact of the matter is that there's distance between us and God because of our sin. Um, We're enemies because our minds are evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death and to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and you do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that you have been proclaimed to Excuse me, um, and that you—this is the gospel that you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, watch this. I mean, like he's basically laid out the gospel again. And if you haven't heard it right, or if you misunderstood it, you know, in the past, or if you just need to be reminded, because I need to be reminded of this over and over again. Through Christ, we're free from accusation. We stand before God clean, right? Wow. You might back up and say, you know, but where is he in all of these areas? And the question is, is he plugged in? Is he plugged into your into your reading? Is he plugged into your thought life? Is he plugged into how you select your hobbies? Does that mean I can't read anything but the Bible? No. It means that. Um, we keep into account who we belong to when we read, when we speak, when we spend our time, when we whatever. Like, all of these things are oriented around him because he's worthy of being oriented around. I mean, we can pick all kinds of things that are a waste of time and they'll end up, like, disappearing in the long run. But if we orient ourselves, if we live for Jesus and become his people and belong to him, like, like we are innocent, we are free, we are clean, and it is forever. Um, this is the gospel. Anybody who preaches anything else is preaching to you a backward battery, right? Anybody who says you must show up to these places, follow these rules, do these things, give this amount of money, anything else, it's a broken car. Like, and actually, it's, uh, the bits have a have a truck out, like if you go out to their corrals, they've got a truck that's sitting out in a field that is missing everything and And that is rusted and and you know down on the ground and will eventually become a part of the ground if you wait long enough, right like I, I don't know it's been there what like sixty years um, I, <laughs> I, you know I almost said so sixty years like I, <laughs> um but I wouldn't have said that to you had Larry said it i would uh <laughs> <laughs> um. That is what they're selling you. Anybody who says, do these things to go to heaven, like, like that's the vehicle they're selling you. Um, the reality is to become right with Christ, to be right with Christ, is to have faith in him, to follow him, and to belong to him. There is nothing else. No earn, No no deserve, no nothing. It is a gift, freely given. Now watch this. This is coming around to the body part. I had a purpose in this. Now, This is the next section. So Paul has finished his song. He has summarized its meaning. And then he says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Paul's in prison writing this. um, And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction. For the sake of his body, Which is the church. So Paul is telling them all of this, like how amazing Jesus is, and how Jesus died for him, and how he's a new creation in Christ, and how all of them are like under this amazing, powerful, glorious, beautiful, wonderful like God, and, and that they are his body and they belong to him and that he takes care of them and he watches over them and that he cleanses them so that he can bring them to himself pure and holy and wonderful. And he says, listen, I'm in prison and I'm suffering, and that suffering is helping me to be more like Jesus because, like, at the end of the day, all of this stuff I'm doing, I'm doing it for the body. And so, like, Paul is doing all this ministry, all this, like, work, all of this service because he is serving Christ. Through serving the church. And so I get up here and I, I, I preach sermons. I, I don't do this. I mean, I, I love you guys and, and, and all that. Like, I do it for you, but I do it for Christ. Nathan gets up and sings. And, and hopefully, ideally, he gets up and he leads worship and he glorifies God for Christ. Like, for you guys, but you guys are the body of Christ, right? Like, the guy next to you who's a little weird and you don't want to talk to him. Don't point. He's a part of Jesus' body, somebody that Jesus died for. And you serve him, you serve Jesus. The guy who, who doesn't quite fit in, we visit with him and we talk with him. The guy who's, who's hurting and alone, we go to them and we serve them. Um, your spouse, your kids, all of these people, when we serve these people, ideally there's a battery hooked up, right? And that's Jesus. I love my wife at the end of the day because she is wonderful but I love her more because Jesus gave her to me and because she is his. Love my kids, and I want to teach them to be good people, despite who I am. (laughs) And I do it because I love them, but I also do it because they belong to Jesus. I'm just borrowing them, right? They're in my my care for a while. My challenge for you going forward, um, in everything that we do, like the body of Christ, the church, the church is Jesus' body. Like, you serve the people around you. Like, the brisket cook-off, it seems like the silly thing we do, but, like, I believe that breaking bread together and fellowshipping together is a huge part of knowing Jesus. And when we gather and we do these things where we potluck or whatever, when we spend time as the body of Christ, we serve, not because, like, like this is what I have to do to get to heaven, but because this is Jesus' body. These are his people. Um, everything, everything that we do that's ministry is serving Jesus. And when you turn against the church and when you abuse the folks around you because they're annoying or because you want your way and you're not getting it or because of whatever, like, that's Jesus, right? I'm not... Tell me if I'm missing something on the draw there, right? Like, that's Jesus. That's His bride. That's His body. That's Him. Like, we, we are called to love each other and to serve each other humbly and passionately because... In doing so, we serve Christ because, like, we are his body and we are his His bride. My challenge for you is to examine, to look, and to ask. First off, actually, above all else, ask, do I belong to Jesus because I have faith in him? Am I saved because of his blood? Am I a new creation, Like like, or am I trying to earn my way there? Am I showing up to check off boxes to go to heaven? Because if that's the case, you're... You're, first off, you're in the wrong building. Um, secondly, your battery's on backwards. Fix it. Um, and then after that, like, ask yourself, am I serving Jesus? Am I serving Jesus by serving the folks that are unlovable? Am I serving Jesus by serving the body? Am I serving Jesus by loving my spouse and serving my spouse? Um, we're going to close in prayer, and I'll let you all go today. Uh, and And in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about this a little more in detail. We're going to move away from the body of Christ stuff, and we're going to look at... Um, what it means to to be believers in proximity to each other we're going to look at the early church it's going to be a lot of fun i'm excited um, but let's close in prayer heavenly father i pray that lord god it's just a lot of a lot to digest like the the, the knowledge of who who your son is, who our savior is, who, who he is in relation to the creation, what he has made, what he has brought about, how he sustains us, like everything, like the glory that is your son. It is a lot to digest, Lord. I pray that you would touch us in a way that we would know you more intimately by knowing Jesus. Help us to understand and respect that, Lord, that that he's to be loved and he's to be close with us, but he's also like He's the God through whom, by whom, and from whom all things are created. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at each other, we would understand that serving the body of Christ is a part of serving you, that loving you means loving the body, that being a member of the body, being being brothers and sisters in Christ, part of that is being adopted into your family. Um, I pray that you would give us grace to see new ways to do this, to become better at this. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good morning, y'all.